0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Is there any enthusiasm about today? I mean, is this this, uh, this just Sunday as usual, business as normal, we're just going through the motions? No, he's alive, he's risen. You know, a lot of times when we get ready for Easter, and, and I don't know how many Easter messages I preached, cheapers I started preaching when I was 14, so it's been a long time. And as you, as you think of all the different things of, of Easter, it's like, man, every year, it's almost unbelievable that Easter is back around again. And our relationship with the Savior has de- deepened. So much so that when we read the story in the scripture, it's like, I didn't see that before. Or it has new impact, new meaning, and it it goes deeper into our hearts. And it's my prayer this morning, and I want you to come in agreement with me as we pray, is that the Lord just gives us a completely open heaven, as we've already been looking at, to where there is absolutely no restriction, no obstacle, nothing that the kingdom of darkness, nothing that our own sense of worry and and the racing of our minds and the the disruption in our souls, that nothing would in any way interfere with his word to us today. So Lord, I just ask that you would release the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in this place, Father, that everything that has been used in the past to get us distracted, to to get our focus on something else, Lord, that you would bring it all, and Holy Spirit, that you would corral us like a herd of cats and cause us to be able to focus on the wonder of Jesus today. For you are Lord, Savior, our Bridegroom, our Great High Priest. Our master, our teacher, and our good, good, good shepherd. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Well, once again, I'm breaking all the rules that they taught me in seminary. You're, You're only supposed to, you know, preach about 12 verses max. We're going through just about all of chapter 24 of Luke. Linda's already started it off today. So you've got it. And I thought, well, good, Linda's read it in the NIV. No, she read it in the Passion. So you're gonna get the Passion. Why are we reading the Passion translation by Brian Simmons? Why? Because the Passion is about the Passion. I thought, well, if we're gonna focus on the Passion of Christ, highlighting with his resurrection, we might as well read it out of the translation that is called the Passion. So enjoy this, it'll be up on the screen. If you wanna compare it with with the version that you brought with you, you feel free to do that. Very early that Sunday morning, the women had made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. What women is that? What's going on here? Oh, well, let's back up. Let's go back to chapter 23, beginning at verse uh, 55 because I I didn't think that just preaching from 24 is enough. Let's go back to 23 so we can have more. And this is what it says. The women who had been companions of Jesus from the beginning saw all this take place and watched as the body was laid in the tomb. Afterward, they returned home and prepared fragrant spices, and ointments, and were planning to anoint his body after the Sabbath was completed according to the commandments of the law. So these are the ladies that were there at the cross when Jesus was crucified. As he died and as Joseph of Arimathea came to take the body and requested from Pilate that he could have the body and put it in the tomb that no one had ever been in, they are there and they follow the body of Jesus. This is something amazing. When I look at the gospel story, women play such a, a premier role in the gospel. It's a woman that the angel comes to and says, you have found favor with God and the Holy Spirit's gonna come over you and you're gonna conceive and he, he's gonna be the savior of the world. And so Mary, from the very beginning, it was a woman that the Lord spoke to and that the Lord used. And then he, he spoke to Joseph and that's just, that was just as big a miracle that a man could come and submit and receive and understand that the Lord had done this. And so, wonderful. These are the, the women who had followed Jesus all through his ministry. And now, having gone through the crucifixion, they follow that precious body of the Lord Jesus in all its bludgeoned, bloody gore of, of the beating, the scourging, and, and the crucifixion itself. And they follow it all the way to the tomb. And then it's sealed and it's the Sabbath and they go home and they wait. Their mind, their, their heart intent is to go and prepare his body and give it the kind of spices that a, that a body that has passed deserves to have to honor. And so it continues. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in to look but the tomb was empty and the body of Jesus was gone. They stood there stunned and perplexed. What do you what do, you do when, when you can't find the body that you've come, you have an assignment, your assignment is to anoint with the spices, the body that has been huh, put in the tomb and you can't find the body, you can't complete your assignment. They're 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 confused, they're perplexed, they don't know what to, to think, they're stunned. And then suddenly two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Why is it that anybody from heaven that comes to earth is wearing dazzling lightning clothes? We looked at that when Jesus went up into the mountain of transfiguration and he was transfigured and, and Moses and Elijah came and all those that had come from heaven and had been on the mountain, they were, they were in dazzling, lightning clothes. And it's like, wow. I think it's so you get an idea that uh, these didn't come from TJ Maxx, you know, that this came from the heavenly clothing store. And there's kind of points where they came from. And you know what? I forgot to start. Uh oh. We'll just have to take it off the CD. Okay. So, terrified. Relax. Okay. Read it to yourself. Okay. There you go. Terrified. The women fell to the ground on their faces. Mm. The men in white said to them, why do you look for the living one? Which is really interesting. The word there in Aramaic is why do you look for the life? Why do you look for the life in a tomb? He's not here for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The son of man is destined to be handed over to sinful men to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day, he will rise again. Don't you think you'd remember that? If Jesus told you that, don't you think if he said, you know, I'm going to be delivered over to sinful men, and they're going to uh, make me suffer, and, you know, they're going to crucify me, and on the third day, I'm going to rise. Why do you think they couldn't remember that? The trauma that they experienced in watching what was done to Jesus was so unimaginable that they couldn't even remember what Jesus had said. Do you realize that? Have you, have you ever been traumatized? Have you seen something so horrible? You've you seen something so horrible that you, you don't even remember your name. You don't, you don't know how to get home. Sometimes you can be so traumatized by, by the evil that you witness that you don't even know how to process life. You can't even remember. And to me, this is more of a statement not about how forgetful human beings are, but it's more of a statement of how horrible the death of Jesus was. The horrendous, the horrendous trauma that Jesus went through was so great that they couldn't even remember what Jesus had told them. And they're still, they're still, even after they see an empty tomb, they don't know what to think. <laughs> All at once, they remembered his words. To me, this is, this is just one of those things that we need to realize. There's something very special when someone reminds us what the Lord has said. There's there's a place of almost angelic proportion when someone is kind of like a messenger sent from God and reminds us what God has said. And when they do, we remember. We remember. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the 11 and all the others of what they had heard, what they had seen and heard. When the disciples heard the testimony of the woman of the women, it made no sense and they were unable to believe what they heard. Okay, now these guys heard the same thing that the women had heard, but when the women had the angels tell them and remind them, they remembered. Now the men have women who are reminding, or they're just informing them of what they've witnessed and what happens to the men? Don't even pick up on it. Why? I hate to say that it was because a woman told him. Don't you, husbands, wives, give him a poke right now. It's like. Now, if angels had told the disciples, maybe they would have believed it. But the women told the, the disciples, and it just, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't conceptualize it. They couldn't even remember what Jesus had said. Mm, I find this interesting. But Peter, oh, Peter's in the story and Peter amazing. But Peter, he jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and he discovered it was empty. Oh, what the women said was true. It is empty. And as he he looks, there was only the linen sheet lying there, staggered by this. He walked away wondering what it meant. Hmm. That's act one of this morning's message. Act two. I love this story. Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus on a journey of about seven miles. Tell your neighbor, seven miles. Seven miles, this is, this is a, a, a pretty good walk. In case you're wondering about how long is a, a seven mile walk, well, we walk P- Mount Pleasant Golf Course, or Pleasant Run Golf Course, and it's about 6.2 miles. So we'd have to play the first couple holes again. And that takes us about four hours. So it's like, wow, so this is a good little walk. It was about seven miles. Mm. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them. Why? For God prevented them from recognizing him. Okay, key word here, unaware. They're unaware, they don't know who this is. Now we know that Jesus when he resurrected, he is in a body. He is in a body, it has the scars, which we're gonna look at in just a minute. He's in a body. You would think walking along, they might have noticed the piercing in his, in his wrists, in his hands, on his feet, sandals. I don't know if Jesus wore the, the total cover sandals, but all the ones I've seen of, of that time, If there was holes in the feet, you you would see them through the sandals. Jesus said to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. Oh my. So some of you, you might've come to church this morning, a little sad and gloomy on resurrection day. You fit right in with the two on the way to Emmaus, at least at this point in the story. They stopped and the one named Cleopas answered, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, oh, what things? Oh man, is he just, he is playing it so coy. He's right there. Uh, What happened? What happened? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful and he had great favor with God and the people. Wow, here they are. Jesus wants to know what they're thinking. They say, one, he's the man from Nazareth, okay? He, he, he's the man from Nazareth. He, he's not the son of man from Nazareth. He's not the son of God from Nazareth. He is the man from Nazareth. A mighty prophet of God, okay. A lot of people when they look at Jesus, they'll say he's a prophet, he's a good teacher, blah, 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 who performed miracles and wonders, amazing things. His words were powerful. You think of the first time that Jesus went to the synagogue and they were just amazed because he spoke as one having authority not like the scribes and Pharisees. So his words were powerful. He had great favor with God. Everybody knew that God was with this man and he had great favor with the people. The people loved him. They continued, but three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people sent, sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Hmm. Do you hear the disappointment? The sadness in their hearts? Why are you so sad and gloomy? <laughs> well, we thought this Messiah was the real Messiah, but I guess we've got to look for the next Messiah. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. So they got that far. They got that far. And he says, they claim that two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. And some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the women said, but no one has seen him. Hmm. They were unaware that it was Jesus. They thought Jesus was unaware. He didn't know what had happened the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened. And here Jesus said to them, I love the Passion Translation. Why are you so thick headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Okay, go. Why are we so thick headed? Why don't we believe the word that is written? the prophets, Moses, the Psalms. Why don't we believe the testimony of brothers and sisters who tell us what the Lord has done? Wasn't it necessary for Christ the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and then afterward enter into his glory? Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself through the scripture. He started from the beginning and explaining the writings of Moses and all the prophets and showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. I wish they would have had a, a recorder and had the wherewithal to know, let's record this guy. This, this is good stuff. Would you like to have the teaching of Jesus from Genesis all the way through uh, the prophets? all the way through the Psalms, would that be good? Yeah, yeah. If I come up with it, I'm gonna sell it on uh, eBay. Started a million dollars for whoever would like, no. He started from the beginning to reveal the truth about himself. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead telling the men that he was going to a distance to a distant place. (laughs) Now Jesus isn't lying, for all of you technical, saying, oh Jesus, he lied to them, he wasn't going. No, he probably was, he's probably gonna check in at heaven and then come back to earth. I'd I'd consider that a distant place, a a long trip. They urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us, it will be dark soon. (laughs) So Jesus went with them into the village joining them at the table for supper. There's something about Jesus and the table. Jesus is most recognizable when he's at table. I've got a, an acquaintance that I, I've come to. Her name's Kelly Harrison, and she's a missionary to Kenya. And she's over there, and she's rented a place, and it's got this huge table in the dining room. And the Lord brings people to her all the time around the table. You ask, you ask Kelly, what kind of ministry you have? She says, "Uh, it's called the table ministry, the table ministry. What happens at the table? The presence of God shows up. We recognize Jesus at the table. It's amazing what happens when believers gather around to share a meal and they start talking and and get intentional about allowing a space for Jesus to appear, for Jesus to manifest, to show up. Oh, I like it. So he's there at the table for supper. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Sound familiar? Feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000, Jesus takes the loaves, he breaks them, he looks up, he blesses them, he breaks them, he gives them to the disciples, they give them to the people. There's something, I, I, to, to me, I always think there's probably something about the hands of Christ when he takes it, he lifts it up to the Lord, and he breaks it, and he gives it. I think he must have had a, a style that you would immediately recognize, oh, I've seen that before. And it's at that moment All at once, their eyes were opened, and they realized it was Jesus. Oh, my. They realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly, in a flash, Jesus vanished before their eyes. Oh. You finally get it. That's Jesus. That's amazing. Where'd he go? He vanished. Oh, my. Now, to me, that gives me... a a chance to entertain some things about our bodies and their ability with the new glorified bodies that we'll have. Mm. Flashing right before their eyes. Stunned, the men looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples. What they said is true. It's true not only of of that day, but it's true of this day. Whenever you open the scriptures and you invite the Lord to come and be alongside you, it's amazing how he opens up his word. And he speaks to us in ways that not just gives us information in our head, but it gives us transformation in our hearts. There's times when I've read the scripture and I've laughed and I couldn't tell you a word that I read, but it ministered to my my heart, It ministered to my soul. I I felt different because I, I was reading the word of the Lord and the Lord came. And as he ministered that into my spirit, into my body, into my heart, It made a difference in how I felt, how I thought, and how I perceived reality. I love that. That's so cool. So where are they headed? They're headed at nighttime, another seven miles. Say, they're doing a pretty good clip. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it under two and a half hours. And they're headed back to Jerusalem. Why? (laughs) Why? The thing that has gone on so far is that everybody knows that the tomb's empty and everybody had the testimony of the angels to the women, to the disciples. But the key thing, even the disciples, when they went back to the tomb and they saw everything just like the women said, no one had seen him. Now this is coming from the perception of the two disciples that are on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. No one had seen them. They didn't have a cell phone. So later when Peter encountered Jesus and others encountered Jesus, they didn't call him and say, hey, we just saw Jesus, he's alive. No, they're walking with Jesus. And as far as they know, still no one has seen him. And so they're believing we're the first to have seen him. What do you gotta do when you see Jesus? You gotta run back and tell the others. You gotta tell them. And so they run back seven miles. They're running, they're racing, they're great. And I love this. When they found the 11 and the other disciples all together, they overheard them say, okay, here's the two. They've just seen Jesus. They just realized that Jesus has been walking with them for seven miles. And now they're running back to tell them and they find out they've already seen him. What? Huh? It's really true. The Lord has risen from the dead. Underline this next part. He even appeared to Peter. Oh my. Here's Luke, and he is highlighting the fact that Jesus, having been raised from the dead, even appeared to Peter. What's the significance of that? What had Peter done? Denied him once? Twice? Three times. Peter had denied the Lord three times. How do you think think Peter is feeling at this point in his life? Jesus has been dead. It's the third day. He runs. He sees the empty tomb. He sees the linen, and he can't figure it out. But then Jesus appeared to him. What would you do? What would you do if Jesus appeared to you after you had just denied him three times? Have you ever known him to do that? Have you ever committed some horrible sin and all of a sudden you have an awareness that Jesus is present after the fact? It's like the enemy makes sure that we're not aware of Jesus's presence before the fact, why? Because the presence of Jesus, I think, is the greatest deterrent to sin. If we're aware that Jesus is right next to us, we're probably not going to be tempted the way we are if we feel like he's a long way away. And here, Peter denies Jesus three times. And in Luke's gospel, at the crow, the second crowing (laughs) of the rooster, Jesus and Peter's eyes met. And that had to be the, the worst the worst experience of any experience that you could have is the Lord said it, he remembers, and he goes off and he weeps bitterly. He weeps bitterly. Now resurrection comes, and even to Peter, Jesus appears. So if anybody's here today and you're thinking, well, I'm glad everybody's having a good time on Easter and, and they're excited because Jesus is, uh, is loving them and pouring out this love and Jesus wants to speak to them and Jesus wants to reveal himself to them and all this. But you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. Peter felt totally disqualified and the enemy will use that sense of disqualification in every one of our lives. You know, when we are the weakest and we feel like we're the furthest away from God, that is probably the time we are most qualified to come into his presence. Because we have no religious airs of thinking that we've got it all together and that somehow we are something. But it's brought us to the end of ourselves and we come before him and he always receives us. I love that. So this is testimony time. The two come. They're they're hearing the 11 and the other disciples and they're hearing all the testimonies of everybody that's seen Jesus and it's just going on and on and on and it's it's so good and they realize, hey, we we gotta give our two cents. Everybody's saying what they, and so they, they, they share, they say, then the two disciples told the others what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus had unveiled himself as he broke bread with them. It was the breaking of the bread that caused them to recognize him. Act number three. Can you imagine this? This is a glorious testimony moment. They're having a great time. Everybody's talking about, you know, Jesus, you know, they, they were, they've been so traumatized through his horrible death and crucifixion, and so sad as they realize that all the hopes that they had pinned on Jesus as the Messiah has just been down the drain. And now they see him, and they start to connect the dots, and there is joy. And in this testimony meeting, nobody was watching their clock, Wondering when is this meeting gonna be over? They were just waiting to hear what else Jesus had done, who else had seen him, how they recognized him, everything about what was going on. And as I was reading this, this is the point in the story where I said, Jesus, manifest. while they were still discussing all of this in their testimony meeting, Jesus suddenly manifested right in front of their eyes. Right in front of their eyes. And just saying, Lord, show up today. If you'd show up behind me, above me, I would get to see everybody's face as they see you. Here's what happened to these. They'd already seen him and they're in a meeting and they're talking about him, but still they're startled. They're terrified. The disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. They'd already seen him. And now they're convinced that they're seeing a ghost. Standing there among them, he said, be at peace, I am the living God. Don't be afraid. Why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter your hearts, for I am. I I just felt as I was reading through the scriptures, that this was a word for many of us here today, that as the Lord manifests his presence, as he lives in us, and as he manifests his presence among us, he's here to remind us, doubt, doubt and fear. When doubt and fear enter into our hearts, it keeps us from being able to recognize him and be in peace with him. So I don't know what you're facing today, but I I felt like the Holy Spirit said today, he wants to come and minister to every one of us where our doubt and where our fear lies and where they've entered our heart whether it's been through a trauma, whether it's been through an abuse, whether it's been through a betrayal, whatever the circumstances that you have found yourself, you've got to realize that the Lord is saying, the enemy will always use doubt and fear and try to get them a a place of residency in our heart. And that's what keeps us so frightened, so, uh, so far removed from peace, that we're not able to enjoy the oneness with him that he wants for us. Mm. Come and gaze upon my pierced hands and feet. See for yourselves, it is I standing here alive. Touch me and know my wounds are real. See that, see that I have a body of flesh and bone. He showed them his pierced hands and feet and let them touch his wounds. And the disciples were ecstatic, yet dumbfounded, unable to fully comprehend it. We call that ambivalence. Ambivalence is when you're feeling two opposite emotions at the same time. They are overjoyed, and they're confused, and they're, they're perplexed. They still, still can't comprehend all of it. Why? Why? Jesus' invitation to them is the same invitation that he has for us today. Especially if we don't know Jesus, this is what he would say to us today. Come and see, come and see the wounds. Come and see my hands and my feet. Come see where where I've been pierced. Come and see. It's an invitation to come and see Jesus. Touch and know. (laughs) Come see, touch, know. Touch here. Put your hand, Thomas had to, others of us have to. We have to touch to see who and know who Jesus is. (laughs) The wounds are real. You know, a lot of times in my super sanctified spirituality, I like to just think that, you know, after Jesus was pierced, that all of a sudden, instant healing took place and, and those holes were covered and healed and the flesh and the skin and everything was repaired. But the scars of the resurrection are the scars that remain and abide forever. They identify who the Lamb of God is, who the savior of the world is. He is the one who was pierced for our transgressions, was bruised for our iniquities. (laughs) The price that brought us peace, he paid. I have a body of flesh and bones. I'm not a ghost. This is not Casper. This is Jesus. He's got flesh and bones. And so if if, if you've seen it with your eyes and you've touched it with your hands and you're still not convinced, he says, well, give me me some food. So he gets some broiled fish and some uh, honeycomb and he eats. Wow. He wants them to know that he's not a ghost. He has a body. He is a human being, the son of God. Hmm. Knowing they were still wondering if he was real, Jesus said, here, let me show you, give me something to eat. And they handed him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb and they watched him eat it. Then he said to them, don't you remember the words that I spoke to you when I was still with you? I told you that everything written about me would be fulfilled, including all the prophecies from the law of Moses through the Psalms and the writings of the prophets, and they would all find their fulfillment in what has happened. My favorite verse right here, 45. He supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. And then said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what was prophesied of me. Christ the Messiah was destined to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into the nation and preach salvation's grace and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem, for you are witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that has transpired, and I will send the fulfillment of, my, of the Father's promise to you. So stay here in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you." Mm. Christ has fulfilled his destiny. And out of that, he gives us our assignment. He says, go into all the nations. Go into all the nations. All the nations means that there is no human being outside of being included in those that the Lord Jesus loves and calls. It's not a race thing. It's not a national thing. It's not America. It's all the nations, all the ethos, every ethnic group known to the planet. Is included in our mission. Huh. And then what's he say? Our mission is to preach salvation's grace and forgiveness of sins. Ah. Preach the salvation's message of grace and forgiveness of sins. Do you realize that there's a lot of things that the enemy doesn't care if you entertain intellectually in your mind and understanding as part of, uh, of good religion. He doesn't care how good and how religious you think you are, long as that it doesn't enter into your relationship with him. Sometimes I find that the more information I know about God and about the scriptures, the more it becomes a, a, a place of, of pride and it becomes a, a kind of a stumbling block. But it's the grace and the forgiveness of sins that's salvation's message. That as Jesus taught us, what is the first and greatest command? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. To love, to love God. And so as we go to all the nations and as we pro- proclaim salvation's grace, it's a grace gracious invitation to come in and to know the love of a Father that loves you so much, to know the love of a Savior who gave himself for you, to know the love of Holy Spirit who's been sent to you to help you in this journey to walk through it. And so, the forgiveness of sins. If your sins are not forgiven, today is a wonderful, wonderful day to invite the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Uh, if you think there's uh, some sins that you know, you've know you've, you've done the short list, but you're wondering whether or not you need to itemize and get out all the details of everything, uh, whatever you think you need to do, we will allow you to do. It may not be necessary, but the key is, is that we don't allow the enemy any place to bring condemnation upon us. And that's why we confess our sins because Jesus is already faithful. He's already forgiven us. Our sins, past, present, and future, he's already done that. But for our sake, to know that we are near him and dear to him, we confess our sins because we don't want anything in between our relationship to him. The result, they will turn to me. What does he want? He wants relationship. He's not after, robbing you from your freedom and your choice and your life. And now you've got to come to Jesus and he's going to send you to Africa and you're going to have to go be a missionary. No, the first thing he wants is for you to know him. He wants you to know him in a very intimate, personal way. That's the heart of the father. He's not looking for puppets. He's not looking to use you What we find is as we get to know him and as we fall in love with him, and as we get closer and closer to him, we want to do the things that he wants done. It's not because we have to, it's because we get to. We get to know him and love him and worship him in our service to him. So good, so good. So he goes on from there and then he gives the immediate instructions, I call them, He says, start right where you are, start in Jerusalem. We got this assignment, go to the nations, preach salvation (laughs) with the the event, uh, the result of them turning to me. Start in Jerusalem, because you're my witnesses, you've seen this. Everyone who's experienced the, the, the cleansing of their sins through confession and receiving the grace of the Lord Jesus into your heart, you are a witness, a testimony that is planted in the earth for others to know of the goodness of God. Second, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. Do you know the Father has promised us? Oh, he's given us the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus says, we've got another promise coming from the Father. So today, as I, as I was looking through, and I know this is a lot of scripture, but the Holy Spirit is touching our hearts at different parts of this. Some of us, it's, a, it's about realizing that we can be forgiven of our sin. That's wonderful. Let's do that. Let's act upon that. Let's confess our sin and invite Jesus into our lives. Confess that we're sinners. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You died on the cross for me. And I believe that on the third day, you were raised from the dead and that you have now paid my price that my sin deserves through your sacrifice, and I receive it as for my own. And so we're born again. We become little, little babes in Jesus. Then there's those of us that we need to realize that there's a promise. We're not only witnesses of what Jesus has done, but there's a promise that the Lord has given to us. And the promise is fulfilled in the coming of the Holy Spirit upon us. He says, stay here, stay right where you are until mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. I love that picture. He says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when he comes upon you, he will not just fall upon you, but he will wrap himself around you. Sometimes I I think of of the Holy Spirit as a a glove that perfectly fits my whole life. It's, It's just the glove that comes over me. It's a covering. And it is endued with power. Oh. And I felt like, as the Lord wants to manifest himself among us, He wants to manifest in power. He wants to manifest by releasing His spirit in power upon us. Now, I know I have one of the softest voices, and it's the, the in school, I was the most likely I had the nicest voice to most likely fall asleep under and and if your neighbor's starting to sleep, just say. Come on, you can hang in just a little bit longer. It's not going to be that much longer. Because there's power today. The Lord Jesus doesn't want his church to be this impotent, powerless, moving in such a, I hope Jesus will do something, but able to take the authority and the power that has been given to us in the authority of the name of Jesus. And by that wraparound spirit that has come upon us, that we wait until we're endued with power from on high for (laughs) serving. It's hard to go to the nations if you don't have power. It's hard to preach the gospel of salvation, of grace and forgiveness of sins, if you don't have an anointing of power that comes from the Lord Jesus. Ah, and he's here today. This, is, this has been my heart. I, I get so excited when I look at all of this that has happened here. I pray, number one, that we'll be able to receive the grace and forgiveness and that we can receive Christ into our lives if we have never received Jesus. There is not a better day. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Put it. Right now, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time of the Lord to confess our sins and to come into personal relationship with him. Right now, right now. And if that's you, in a minute, uh, the worship team's gonna come and we're, we're gonna sing another song. You just have that prayer, invite Jesus to come in, acknowledge your sin, confess it, lay it at the foot of the cross. He died for it receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you do that, make sure you let somebody know, okay? Fill it on a Connect card. We wanna know about what what that is. Share with someone uh, so that we can do that. Secondly, this is something that I'm praying for all of us, regardless of how much understanding of the scripture we have. I, I fell in love with the passage when it says, and the Lord supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, today I want to unlock people's understandings. The enemy gets us all sideways and it puts roadblocks to where all of a sudden when we read the Bible, we can't get anything out of it. Today is the day that that ceases, that the Holy Spirit is released, the power from on high comes, and there is supernatural release for you to understand the word of the Lord. So that this thing becomes alive and real and active in your life, anybody? Anybody want to understand? Want your, want a supernatural <laughs> revelation of the scriptures? Any anybody? We got. We got grab your ha- neighbor's hand and lift it up because they need it too. Lord Jesus, we want we want that. I felt like the Lord says today's the day. And then for some of us, we, we, we've got some understanding of the scripture, but we don't have understanding of the power and the authority that we have as a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, what, a, what a there, there can't be a better day to get anointed and baptized in the power of the love of God than on Resurrection Sunday. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is here to let us know that it wants to come upon us and it wants to wrap around us so that we start living with power. If there's addictions here and you battle addictions and stuff like that, we want the power to break addictions. We want the power to say no to that and to say yes to Jesus. A lot of times when when we're trying to get rid of a bad habit or something that's negative in our lives, we focus on that negative so much that it never, it, it may go away for a while, but it comes back. Why? Because You've got to say no to the negative, but you've got to say yes to what the real authentic, affirmative positive is in the kingdom, which is usually knowing Jesus, seeing Jesus, being more intimately in love with Jesus. And as we do that, we find that we can leave those things in. So, salvation, forgiveness of sins opening of our understanding to the scriptures, having a supernatural unlock by the Holy Spirit so that we hear the word of the Lord. We hear it as we read the scriptures, we hear it and receive it when we sleep. And the Holy Spirit gives us dreams, gives us visions, gives us understanding. We hear it when we're driving in our car and the Lord is starting to introduce himself to us, that he knows how to speak even while we're driving that we don't have to do this in order to pray, that we can be wide open and driving and he can speak his love and his truth into our hearts. And three, that today is a day of resurrection power. Today is a day of power to come upon us. So as the worship team comes and plays and ministers, I pray that let's, let's stand, let's sing, let's encounter God on one, two, three, it's Easter. Yeah. This is an Easter buffet. Right eat, eat everything. It's all, of, Jesus already paid. He's already paid the price and he sets the buffet for us and today you can have as much of it as you want. Let's get filled. Let's enjoy the fullness of him. Let's stand.